seven months and five continual days. And where's my clampers? Somebody took my clampers. They're gone. Woohoo! Oh well. Hey, hey, good for me. Here they are. I found them. Yay! Okay. Good for me. 24 years, seven months, and five days of continual sobriety. And I haven't an urge yet to have a drink. Uh, I'm not going to tell you I haven't had a thought. I've thought about it, okay? Every once in a while I think about it. But I think it through. I think through the drink. I think through what life was like. I remember what it was like. I remember how I gave up so much of what I had today. And there's no way I want that life back. And for what? For an escape? You know, and that's what it is. It's a wild, it's a crazy, it's a euphoric state at times. But, boy, I'll tell you, the price to pay for it is way too expensive. I don't want to pay that price anymore, okay? I love my life. I really do. I have a pretty good life. I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich. I'm not famous. I'm, this show's not going to get me anywhere other than keep me sober and maybe help you out, too, or someone you know. And that is really what I'm looking for. I need to stay sober. I do this show so that I stay sober. In today's world, holy cow. You know, there's going to be so many changes coming our way. You know, I tell you, my name is Dan Chuba, okay? I'm a real estate broker in the state of Illinois, in the town of West Chicago, in the county of DuPage, okay? We're west of Chicago, about 30 miles. And you can know that I'm an alcoholic who is in recovery, that I couldn't handle my booze, okay? I am not anonymous. I am anonymous. So I've got rid of the anonymous and became anonymous, okay? And it's not that I want to rise up and let the world know what a great person I am, because I still can slip and fall. I still am a human being, okay? But I work at it every day. I really do. I work to stay sober. That's the only thing I have to do perfectly every day. It's the only thing that I have to do perfectly every day is stay sober. If I stay sober, guess what? The rest of my day goes the way it's supposed to, and sometimes it goes unbelievably great. And there are times it goes unbelievably knuckleheady because, you know what, the world is full of knuckleheads too. I could be one at times. People around me can be. And the world itself, look at this, we're in the, what, second or third week of this coronavirus, this terrible, horrible virus, flu-like thing. And it is hard, it really is for a lot of people to comprehend the seriousness of it. Until what? Until it affects you. Until it affects our, well, it's affected all our lives because we can't go anywhere. We're not supposed to leave our houses. Okay, unless you are an essential service person. I'm a real estate broker. Believe it or not, I'm considered essential service. And again, you should, well, you shouldn't, but the rest of the world has to know that real estate keeps this world going forward. It really does. (coughs) If we become... A world of renters, 
and investors take over this world. Guess what? A lot of the uh, businesses that you see will go out of business because investors have their own rehabbers. They have their own workers. They have their own stores where they buy their discounted supplies and appliances. You know, when you have houses being sold, people buy from the local places. That's right. They do buy from local places. So, yeah, keep that in mind, but that's not what this show is about. This show is about keeping me sober when the rest of the world is going a little bit wacky. And I've got to tell you something. It's just been a really amazing week. Last week we ended the show early. Do you remember why we ended the show early? Because I got a text on my phone from a young lady. She is the daughter of a tenant of mine, a former tenant of mine, who recently passed away. He was 80s in his 80s, probably about 83, 84, a wonderful man, okay? Claimed that he had challenges in his life and wasn't the best father, etc. But, again, I knew him to be a wonderful husband at the time. His wife has dementia. She was a former actress, a very successful actress. I've never seen her, but I met her and... Seemed like a nice person to me. And she was losing her mind, and his this husband had lost all his money, and all he had was his pension to pay his bills, and some money that he was getting from Social Security. And I gave him a place to rent, he and his wife. And what did he try to do? He tried to go help a young, his, he's got a young son and a young daughter. He's in his 80s. He's got some kids in their 30s, I believe. And one in his 20s, and the one in his 20s, I have no idea, I don't know the story, but this kid felt his dad did him wrong, and he went off on his tangent of drugs and alcohol and being very irresponsible, living in the streets. His dad, over the year that I knew him, we talked many times, said, Dan, can we help this kid? And I said, you only can help him if he wants help. You can't make him get help. And during his... um, time renting from me, he let his son come and stay with him for a bit, and I told him he wasn't, the the unit that he was renting from wasn't big enough to rent and put three people in, but he goes, well, my kid's homeless, and I go, you know, tell him to go get a job, and the kid was rebellious and argumentative, and another tenant in the building kept telling me about this, and I, and I, I warned the guy, I said, listen, this kid's trouble. He doesn't want help. He expects you to help him. See, there's a difference between wanting and expecting help, okay? And at some point, the kid pulled the fire alarm because he was pissed at his dad. So he pulled the fire alarm on the entire building, and we were assessed to fine because there was no fire. And the fire department had to come out because this kid was being selfish, self-centered, and, you know, spoiled. So then we had this conversation, and his dad said, bro, the the kid really helps me out. I really want to help him. And I go, he really can't be around. He's in trouble. And in the fall of last year, what does this kid do? He lets his kid in, and the kid literally beats his parents bloody. There was blood in the apartment, on the hallway, down the stairs. The uh, ambulance came, had to take the parents both to the hospital. And took the kid to jail. Now, 
he's got a sister that said she wanted to help out. Long story short, the sister last week, I made I contacted her and said, hey, sorry to hear your parents passed away. She was supposed to contact me on Saturday, calls me on Sunday while I'm doing the show, texts me and says that she thinks she may have overdosed and she may need to get, you know, the, an ambulance. So I had planned to meet with her, and so I decided to end the show to go see if I could help her out. I told her if she needed 911 to call 911 because, hey, the only emergency is life or death. And I have no control over that except for calling 911. And I felt if she needed it, she was enough to, to text me that if she needed it, she should go call 911. So I left the show here early, and I went out to see her. I had to drive 20, 25 minutes to get there. And I got there, and she was in the care of her, her ex-husband who actually lived with her. So she had another adult living with her. And believe it or not, he is sober, three years or more. Congratulations. I was really impressed. And he had bought her some food. And I don't know how he missed all that was going on, but whatever. We sat, the three of us, and had a conversation from about, what time, about 8.30 to almost 10 o'clock, about an hour, hour, a little more than an hour. And... At which time she said, Dan, I need help. I, I, She kept asking if she should go into rehab. And she's been in rehab before, and I, I, I'm really, I'm very opinionated when it comes to rehab. And that is, if you don't get it the first time or the second time, don't waste your time. Because if you don't want it bad enough, going to a rehab center is not going to make you get it. You have to want recovery. Okay, she told me how she took the medications from the hospital the day before. She went into the hospital with, uh, she was having anxiety attacks. And the hospital gave her a bunch of meds to uh, calm her down and relax her. And so what did she do on Sunday? She took them. And she not only took them, but she she, uh, overdosed, and not overdosed, took more than she should have, and then drank as well. I see I have a caller on the line. Who's up? Hello, caller? Hi, Dan, it's Lambert. Hey, hey, Lambert, how are you, my friend? Sorry I missed you last week. I'm good. Good. Well, thank you for joining us this week. I'm talking about what happened last week, so you came in at the right time to catch up on the story, okay? Yes, I caught the tail end of that. Thank you. Okay, well, let me finish that up right now. So she took the medications, and then she went for beer. And that's what was causing her to feel a little tippy, a little flippant. She didn't seem out of it to me. I'm not a doctor, and I told her I'm not a doctor. And if she felt the need to go to the emergency room, by all means, go. But when I left her, she seemed grounded. She said she was going to go to sleep. She was tired. She had ate all the food, which was good. And uh, she had somebody there to take care of her. She promised to call me the next day. She said she wanted help, and she would call me. And then we talked about getting her uh, some of the stuff out of her father's apartment because I need to get the place rented. So I asked her to show up, and she could help me clean the place up. She said, no problem. 
that was how we left it. Okay, I did not hear from her all week. Not one time did she call. So I hired somebody yesterday to clean the place out, and we gathered all her father's things and put them in one big area. And I called her, and she answered on the first ring, and she goes, hey, what's up? And I go, are you okay? She goes, yeah, I'm fine. And I said, well, you were going to call me. She goes, yeah, well, I was uh, I was grieving. I go, you were grieving what? My father, that he passed away. I said, I understand, but you couldn't pick up a phone and call me? She goes, well, the, the hospital told me I should stay at home. I said, I still don't understand what the, what you couldn't call me about. You you promised to come and help me, and, and you didn't. You didn't even call. So she goes, well, I only want a few things out of there anyway. So I said, well, guess what? I've got all your father's things in a big pile, and here's the deal. You either come and take them all, or I'm going to throw them all out. It's that simple. She goes, well, I only want a few things. I go, no, you can't have a few things. You've got to take all his things or none of them. I'm going to throw them out. And, of course, she got all upset and said I'm being unfair. And I'm like, you know what? The girl's problem is that she has to grow up. At some point, you have to grow up and accept responsibility for your actions. And if you keep letting people enable you, you will never grow up. And here's a girl that had two kids from two different men. Not that that's unusual, but... The, the the one son seemed to be acting a little bit more mature than his mom. And that's what happens sometimes. It's really sad. But, you know, the, the topic of the show today is choices. And, you know, we are facing with choices today, even with this pandemic. Don't you agree? Lambert, my friend, thank I you do. for calling and joining us. Yes, we have you the choice like of staying home. You sounded like you had a few things you wanted to say earlier in crazy. the week. So I thought maybe you'd like to share your thoughts. You talking to me? You're Lambert, aren't you? I think. Yes, yes, yes. I'm. I'm sorry. I think that uh, now is the time to be courageous on all fronts, and that means we have to do what we're supposed to do. And you said responsibility. That is our. Our mainstay right now is to be responsible to ourselves, to our family, to others. And at the same time, to do that, we've got to be courageous because it's not easy. Nothing's easy in life. That's the way it is. And it's the same with addictions. It's the same with problems and issues and and money and jobs and family. And you can go down a whole whole litany list of things which you have to be courageous about and be responsible about. What do you think, Dan? No, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the first thing is to you know stay at home and 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 to not infect other people because you know I, you know as a real estate broker, I don't know. Here, here's I had a final walkthrough on Saturday. Uh, the buyers and the seller came to uh, make sure that the seller had left the place in good condition for the buyer, and uh, everybody was happy. Okay. So the place was good. And in the process, I saw the neighbor coming home. And now the neighbor and I had talked about possibly selling his home, okay? His, it's actually his mother's home. He lives in another place. And 
I went over there to talk to him, and I knocked on his door, and he said, oh, come on in. So then I'm standing in the kitchen, and he goes, oh, by the way, I just want you to know I have the flu. Now, I don't know that Why? it's the... I don't know it's the corona flu. Well, because I didn't test for it. I'm <laughs> like, why would you invite me into your house and then tell me you have the flu? I said, hey, I really got to get out of here. I'm like, really? I wanted to, you know, if I could have, I would have bitch slapped the guy. But, no, I want his business. So I just said, well, I really shouldn't be here because... You know, I deal with people, and I'm around people, and, you know, i got a wife, and, and nobody needs to get this stuff, especially if you've got it, and, and I don't want it passed on to me. He goes, well, I've been without a fever for about five or six days, so I should be okay. It doesn't matter. You know what? You can't make good choices if you don't have good information, you know? You always and, have to think too. You have to think ahead about how you affect others through your actions. You're, you're just not a person unto yourself. Everything you do affects other people. We're all interrelated in that regard. We really are, you know. And sometimes over the years, you know, it's been a, it's been interesting this this whole experience because in some ways it's brought families closer together. Okay, told them to slow down, stop. You can't go to work. Uh, but then on the other hand, you can't interact with people. You can call them on the phone. You could do, we have a lot of social media opportunities. In fact, our office did a couple of uh, virtual meetings on the Internet. And that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. But, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out in the future how this future world shakes out, how it's going to affect you, me, everybody. But right now, the most important thing is just to keep it from spreading and let it run its course and finish. I was reading a statistic. I don't know if some of this information is true or not, because, you know, there is such thing as fake news. But I read an article that said alcohol con- consumption is up 50% this last two weeks. Alcohol consumption is up 50%. Now, you know, if you're locked in your home and you're buying a lot of alcohol and you're drinking lots of alcohol, that's not necessarily a good thing for you, too, right? Seems and, like and that's I'm, the easy easy escape, isn't it? Everyone well, gets a little stressed, and they they want to go to what they're familiar with, and and it could be that being at home cooped up is also an issue that they have to deal with if they don't get along with their partners or other members of the family. Well, it is, and what you know, you, you run out of things to do, and as soon as you pick up the the, the booze, it's not like you could put it down. You start drinking it, and again, for alcoholics, the first drink is the worst drink. The last drink, it's, it doesn't come. There's no end. It just keeps on going. You pick up one drink, and you think, oh, well, I might as well have another. And the first one may go down slow, but for me, it, it picked up. As the, the drinking evening, day, whatever went, it picked up. Today, here, I got up. I got to sleep late today. I got up probably around 8.30. That was late for me because I've been getting up really early. 
And I made breakfast for myself and my wife. We we ate, and then I took this incredible nap, which was great. And then I woke up and I said, "Hey, let's go for a walk." And we did. We went 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 and did a two mile walk, and we came back and what a wonderful day. Now I remember when I drank, I woke up with a hangover, drank some more, so I didn't have the hangover. And ended up staying on the couch, moaning and pissing all day long, and getting nothing accomplished. And I loved the fact that you know I had a good day and, and accomplished some things. I worked with some clients, and here I am tonight, being able to do this show again. And that's because I didn't put any alcohol in me. Hip hip hooray for me! I like this comment somebody put. People keep asking me, is COVID-19 really that serious? And it goes on to say, listen, the casinos and the churches are closed. So when heaven and hell agree on the same thing, it's probably pretty serious. I got to agree. If if both sides are saying, hey, this is not a good thing. What? 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 Are you talking to me? <laughs> Alrighty. Hey, listen, folks, this is a call-in show. It's a live call-in show, and not just Lambert can call in. You can call in, too. And the number to call in is area code 323-580-5755. I want to shout-out to my friend Tony in Chicago. Welcome back from uh, Virginia. You were out in Virginia, and you're going to start up your business. And uh, your business is a food business, so he's going to be doing it with uh, Grubhub because he wants to uh, be – well, he wants to be a uh, responsible businessman. He doesn't want people lining up outside his food place. Uh, he wants them to be able to pick it up and call ahead for orders. That's a good thing. So we have some really good things. And, again, as the world evolves beyond this this pandemic, and it will, okay, it will evolve beyond it. We're going to learn different ways of living life, okay? One of them, though, you know, they were talking about how do, you know, all the uh, AA clubs, Alcoholics Anonymous clubs, are closed because they, you can't get together in groups right now. So they have signs on them. I'm sorry, they're closed. You know, and if you were smart enough to get phone numbers from people when you were attending meetings, you had at least some people to call if you needed help and support. Now, some people are going online and searching for meetings, and they have virtual meetings online. And they're saying, well, wait a minute, you know, how can you have a virtual meeting online? And, and then you're, you're, you're uh, letting your anonymity out, your, your, your nimity, I don't know what they call it. You know, you're letting people know who you are. You know what, one of the, the greatest things that I think ever happened for me in my recovery is to know and to let other people know that I've accepted I have a drinking problem and that I cannot handle my own booze. And when I did that, and, and people around me know it, I don't walk up to them and say, hey, I'm Dan Chublin, I'm an alcoholic, and I don't drink. But at some point, you know, Lambert, how long have I known you? Oh, geez, 20 years? 20 years. Close I've over 24 yep. years, seven months, five days. When I first met you, that's not the first thing out of my mouth, was it? No, I didn't even know. You were, you were a great guy. Well, Friends at first sight. You what? You're making me laugh. I'm <laughs> great guy. Well, thank well, I you, I think Lambert. our friendship started with food. <laughs> yeah, it was. We were, we were looking at a table that was just covered in food. It was a chamber of commerce. 
It was like a big major <laughs> buffet. Remember that? Yeah, that part I do. Yeah. And what was funny is that that's when I met my accountant, and she still is my accountant today. And when I first met her, I just looked at her and went, ooh, la, la. She was really good looking. Hot, hot, hot. I mean, I was very polite, but she was pretty hot looking. And she's still great looking now. She's married. I'm married, so and not to each other. But it was fun looking at her, and, and it was funny because one of my friends said, hey, Dan, stop looking. She's She's off the market. I'm like, I'm just looking at her. And then you and I connected, and we started up a conversation, and we really had a good time. And, yeah, I don't think it was the first thing out of my mouth. By the way, Lambert, I'm an alcoholic in recovery. What do you think about that? No, it wasn't like that. No, it was much later that I even knew. Yeah, it's not important to run up to people and say that. But at some point, it does become apparent that I don't drink alcohol. Okay, and I don't drink alcohol by choice. There's nothing that stops me from drinking alcohol. There is no judge, no organization, no group, no no spouse that says I can't drink. But I know what happens to me when I drink, and I whether it happens again or it, maybe it wouldn't happen. Maybe the possibility does exist that if I drink again, Maybe I wouldn't get as nutty and crazy and all that stuff because it's been a few years. But you think I want to take that risk? Hell no. For what? It wasn't that great anyway. Okay, when I drank, I, it's not like I can't, couldn't live without alcohol. And there was nothing that was like oh, I couldn't live. So why would I want to take on that risk? We liken it a lot of times to um, uh, Russian roulette. You know, if you're playing big stakes Russian roulette, remember that movie, uh, The Deer Hunter? Lambert, did yeah, you see it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I re- yes, I did see it. And yes, that was intense. It was an intense Crazy. movie. And he went on to play, um, you know, Russian roulette for money. And, you know, won big money because he didn't shoot himself. I think at the end he did, didn't he? At the end, I think he did take his life. Because he finally, you know, there was finally a bullet in the chamber. But who wants to take that risk? I don't. The rewards aren't that great That for me to take that drink. Other people, hey, go ahead. You know, I was talking to um, um, a guy today, one of the guys that was cleaning the apartment for me, okay? And he's going to come on the show at some point, and he's going to talk about his addiction <laughs> to pain meds. Bless you. Uh-oh, cover my mouth. Allergy. Lambert. Yeah, I'm allergic. I'm allergic. Get your handkerchief. Coronavirus, look out. Well, there's nobody around me, so, okay. But I did use a Kleenex, so, okay, we have tissue everywhere around this office. We have tissue, and we wipe everything down with uh, alcohol. We're very, um, we got a great group of people that keep us, you know, as safe as possible. But, you know, going back to it, um, you know, I I don't want the risk taking. It's not it's not that important, and I don't worry about it. And that's the other cool thing. I don't worry about it. I drink a lot of milk. I drink a lot of water. I drink a lot of juice, and you know, I'm just grateful that I'm alive today, because I don't think I would have been alive if I would have continued drinking. Not not this long. Definitely not this long. Not this long. So, Mr. Lambert, talk to me. How is your week going, by the way? 
it's going well. On Sundays, I usually try to call and catch up with people now. You know, social distancing, is, that, you know, is, is not, uh, is not the, the reality. It's physical distancing that we need to practice. So I try to call everybody on Sunday. And actually last week, the reason why I couldn't uh, get onto your show was that I called my uh, goddaughter and uh, left a message at noon. And she called me back about 10 till 7 last weekend. So I was catching up with her and having a good time. Uh, Linda Sue is working from home. Uh, we're both uh, getting along great, and you know we try to go out for a walk every day. And you know we're we're coping and we're trying to to do new things to keep ourselves positive and to um, keep ourselves oriented. I think that the hardest part is not exercising as much as I had been. So I'm going to have to probably incorporate something into my daily routine now that I had gone outside for, you know, a member of a, a gym club or something. And since we can't really do that now, it's it's up to me. It's up to a lot of us to take care of ourselves. So I yeah, had a good absolutely. week, and I expect to have good weeks and you know, stay true to the mission, so to speak. Yeah, well, keep going. Keep you know, keep America going. I mean, at some point this is going to end, and, you know, the sooner we get through this, the sooner we can get back with living life. And, uh, you know, maybe this is a great time to reflect. I know that tonight uh, there was a, uh, I don't know if if this is true, but on Facebook I read where uh, the Pope has requested everybody at 8 p.m., you know, not 8 p.m. what time is his day, our day, this day, but, they they said to stop and reflect and and pray okay which isn't a bad thing stop reflect pray whatever works for you if you have a higher power observe them okay if you don't find him okay because you know going through life without knowing that there's a future i think that's one of the challenges that a lot of people that are keep caught up in addictions they just don't see a future and they don't know that there is life after this world and if you don't think that there is, you're going to just be lost, a lost soul. We don't want you to be lost. We want you to be found. So we want, I want, again, we were talking about choices. Now, this is what I wrote. Even during these days of great uncertainty, it becomes it is becoming more and more apparent that we, each and every one of us, are responsible for the choices we make. In everything we do, it's the choices that we make today that will be building blocks for our futures. And hopefully we'll recognize and desire a future that is free from unnecessary drama and crisis. We as individuals have the power to make that happen. Once you realize this, once you find the courage to back away from matters and situations that are fraught with tragedy and heartbreak, once you, what you need to do to see these warning signs and to heed the experiences shared. So, again, that's choices, making better choices. You know, it's hard to make choices sometimes in today's world because you never know what information you're getting is correct. You know, like politicians and, and you know, you hear people saying one thing and then they say, no, I didn't say that, and change your mind. But in our hearts, okay, where we are accountable for personally, okay, in our hearts, we know and we have a little person, a little voice that is our conscious 
that tells us and lets us know what we're doing if if we feel it's the right thing, whether it is or not. But if you have a conscience, follow it. It's probably going to give you some really good direction. Con Lambert, you have a conscience. <laughs> Do well, you have a conscience? I think the other thing to think about is uh, don't be selfish. It isn't always uh, totally about you. It's about all the other people around you and how much they are hurt by your actions. So we do have choices, and those choices go beyond ourselves. And that's really the true sad part. And, and the other element is, you know, the damage you could do by being careless. You want to, you know, get into an automobile and drive when you're impaired? That's a horrible thing to think about. So I guess just understanding that everything you do Everything you choose to do has consequences to other people. Wallowing and trying to cope with things uh, through addiction is, is not helpful to you, and it's certainly not good or helpful to the other people around you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, we're, we're yeah, so, so true. And, and drive, you know, there's so many nutty drivers out there right now. We we don't see a lot of people on the road, but I got to tell you something. <clears throat> the the people that are on the road are driving like total idiots. I I think I've heard more accidents with less drivers, and I wonder if statistics statistics hold up. At least percentage wise, I bet they probably are greater. You would think with with one fourth of the traffic, there would be little or no accidents. But boy, I'll tell you, the people on the on the road today are driving like total idiots. They just have no consideration of other people. That's just terrible. And and like you're saying, uh, Lambert, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Like you're saying about uh, you know the actions that we have, how they can impact people, drunk driving, you know, or or this. I got to tell you, I sent my staff home. I have, uh, you know, somebody that works full-time and and other people that come in. Now, they can come into the office when they need to when they're working with clients, but I sent my uh, full-time person home and just said, take the time off. Fortunately, I could do that at this time and send them home, and, and she could do some work from home when need be. But you know what it took for me to really realize that is I have three large aquariums in the office. And the front aquarium, I brought some fish home, fish to the office about three weeks ago that I picked up at a pet shop. And guess what? The fish that I brought back were were diseased. And they got all the rest of the fish in the front aquarium sick. And I lost about oh. a third of them. Yeah. Oh. I lost about a third of them. Now, talking about seeing the actions of a pandemic happening right in front of my eyes, I felt terrible. Here I was in charge of this aquarium, representing these, these poor fish, and, and my job was to keep them safe and happy and, and healthy. And I didn't think twice to, to, to bring these fish and put them in, and I thought they were healthy, but they weren't. And, you know, of course, my wife says, well, then you should have quarantined them first. And, you know, yeah, there was a lot of things I should have, could have, would have done. But it did, if nothing else happened, it reminded me and brought to my to light the importance of, of of staying quarantined, okay? So, you know, it's even more a good reminder to stay at home and to stay away. And I hate using social distancing. 
I really don't like the term social distancing. I'd like to think it's physical distancing. That's really what we need to do. We need to stay connected, but we need to be physically disconnected. Does that make sense, Lambert? Oh, absolutely, Dan. You're right. We're humans. We need we need the human touch, but it doesn't have to be physical. <laughs> if you know what I mean? It can be it can be at a distance, but it needs to be social. You need to get on the phone. You need to be in touch with people. And if it's your neighbor, well, he stands in his yard and you stand in yours, you know. But get out, say hello. Don't treat people like they're uh, they're your enemy. You know, they're not. They're, they're they're coping with it just like you are. And yes, we need to still keep connected and positive. It's all about how we respond. And uh, being courageous about it and, and uh, trying to do the right things as well. Because yeah, being careless and irresponsible will get to other people sick, and this will continue to, to keep coming on for months and months and months. The sooner we you know, stay uh, to ourselves in a physical sense, the quicker we can put a lid on this and, and hopefully uh, squash it and get back to what we want to do in normal life. That would be good. I want to play a song here in a minute, Lambert. It's called... The Mega Millions Jackpot. Not the Mega Millions Jackpot. <laughs> Let's see, is that it? I think it's... Yeah, here it is. Okay, listen to this song for a minute, okay? This is sung by Friend and Lover. Feel free to sing along if you want to. Reach out in the darkness. Reach out in the darkness. Reach out in the darkness, and you may find a friend. was the, the lyrics that I wanted to play the, the, the part did you hear that part good one yeah yeah there was a man who I did not care for and then one day this man gave me a call we sat and talked about things on our minds and now that man he is a friend of mine reach out in the darkness reach out so while we're physical distancing ourselves from other people, that does not mean, like you said, Lambert, it does not mean that we should cut off our communications with them. In fact, this is a great time to pick up a phone or email or uh, maybe want to do a, uh, I don't know, there's uh WhatsApp. Uh, there's several different applications that you can go that are basically free. Okay, WhatsApp and then Hangouts. Those are two applications that are free that you can contact people, and you can even do a face-to-face or FaceTime them. But we need to stay in touch with people. We need to reach out and touch someone. Reach out in the darkness. 
and you, my friend. Now, Lambert, okay, how well do you know your neighbors? I know the neighbors on each side and across the street uh, pair uh, pretty well. I get to talk and chat with them. Of course, you know me. I'm a chatty person uh, usually anyway. But, yes, I'm, I know my neighbors pretty well. As it gets further down the street, not too much other than just a wave, knowing that they're down the street neighbors. But Sure. And it's and, good. And I, I, know, actually, I, know I had a conversation with my next-door neighbor for about 45 minutes this afternoon. Uh, we were talking about garbage pickups and uh, and. Uh, the epidemic that's going on and eh, just anything and everything. It was nice out and we were getting the fresh air and he was on his porch and I was in my driveway. So um, it was a very pleasant exchange and he doesn't have, he lives by himself. So for him to have, have that, that social touch was exactly what he needed. And I enjoyed it very much myself. It's what I needed. So it was a good sharing. That's good. Yeah, it's a great thing. It's great to reach out in the darkness and 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 extend a hand to a friend or an elbow. We're not, uh, you know. I think we're going to change shaking hands. It's always going to be bumping elbows now. Holy cow! You know, Chicago has a new new tap cop, and uh, he went around today introducing himself and saying hello to everybody. And the big thing was that he was bumping elbows with them. He wasn't. Uh, shaking hands he was bumping elbows so uh that's going to be the new trend now is to uh, bump elbows with everybody that you meet right exactly so let's see here you know what i like to read a little bit so i'm going to read from the Elanon one day at a time book today and let's see what the message is for today today being april 5th Okay, and now Elanon is a is a book of motivational um, lessons on a day to day basis, put out by Hazelton, which is the main place where Alcoholics Anonymous is from. I think in New York actually, and it's the only only paid people employees <coughs> that have anything to do with Alcoholics Anonymous that I'm aware of. They run a publishing house, and they publish all the materials for Alcoholics Anonymous, for Al-Anon, etc. And Al-Anon is an organization that was put together to support those individuals who had loved ones or anybody they were connected to that had a drinking or a drug problem. And if you needed support, this is the place you would go to Al-Anon. So they have their own support materials. Alcoholics Anonymous has theirs except that I had a 24-hour day book for Alcoholics Anonymous. I just gave it away to somebody, and I still have not yet replaced it. But for today, April 5th, the Elanon book, uh, this is the reading for Elanon. A member once said, the 12 steps were designed for desperate people like us as a shortcut to God. When we accept them and use them, we find them. They we find they open the way to using our God-given abilities, which we have allowed to lie dormant. The steps are like a medicine, which many of us won't bother to take, although we know they can heal us of the sickness of despair, frustration, resentment, and self-pity. Why is this? It may be we have a deep-rooted desire for martyrdom. 
subconsciously, we think we want help, we want to help, but some dark and hidden sense of guilt makes us crave punishment, makes us crave punishment more than we want relief from our ills. Boy, that's a real telltale comment there. Did you hear that, Lambert? Do you understand that? Yes, yes. That's heavy. That's a, a pretty important statement. Well, that's one of the reasons why the 12th, in the 12 steps, I was in fact telling my wife Martha today that the fourth step is probably one of the toughest steps of the 12 steps because that's when you take a physical, a personal inventory, not just physical, but all kinds of inventory, everything about ourselves, good, bad, and ugly. And then the fifth step is to share it with ourselves, with God, ourselves, another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And again, it is taking that inventory that is really a challenge because, like this says, we want to do good, but there's a certain darkness, and I had that darkness, that we felt we needed to be martyred because we went through this horrible thing and we weren't worthy of, of happiness. I really did for many years of my life. I did not think that I deserved happiness because I felt uh, that maybe I, I didn't live a good enough life as a kid. You know, I stole my share of Twinkies and cupcakes and coins and, and, and things from my parents that maybe I was condemned to hell. And what a thing to raise kids. You know, today what I've learned about God, okay, I don't know why they don't teach it, but it's very simple. I believe, and I've learned this by working the steps, that Jesus walks around with his arms open wide and says, I love you, I forgive you, come to me, okay? That's it. That's what he says. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you pay back for when you were bad or you did this to me or that to me. You know, he doesn't say that. He goes, I love you. I forgive you. Come to me. And if we can grasp that and recognize that he is here to give us happiness and salvation, man, we could have a good life. And since I've done that, my life gets better and better. Okay, I know that my physical life will end someday in the future, maybe sooner, maybe later. But I'll tell you what, it's given me, with that attitude that I've learned through recovery, I've had 24 years, 7 months, and 5 days of extended life that I'm very, very happy and grateful for. And it gets better. And, you know, my wife Martha is living proof. Oh, my gosh, is she an, a, a, an angel and a catch? You know, Lambert, your wife, Linda Sue, angel in a catch. You're an angel yeah. in a catch. I'd like to think that I'm an angel in a catch now, you know, for my wife, because I'm not living the life I was back then. And how did I learn that? Through this program of recovery. That's why I want to herald it out to the world. Say, hey, guys, you too can have this if you want it. But you got to do things. you got to go to every link and any link to get it and to keep it. Now, I didn't finish reading this. I want to keep going. Today's reminder in this book, no one really needs to suffer unhappiness and discontent or be deprived of the good things of life. We can find the way out by daily study of the 12 steps. The whole wholesome spiritual philosophy will help us find our way into the light of a good life. I pray for the willingness to accept the difficult disciplines of the 12 steps. Living with such a guide makes life increasingly worthwhile. Was it easy to work the 12 steps? Hell no. Okay, because why? Because I was selfish and self-centered, and it made me 
have to change my way of life and thinking. But I'll tell you what, one of the best things it did was change my way of life and my thinking. And I've got a better life today. And it keeps getting better. And, you know, Lambert, you know my friend Richard? Yes, I do. Yeah, he's an attorney friend who really has played a major major role in my life for a long time. Probably one of my longest-running friends. And to this day, I don't think he is still convinced that I've been able to evolve from the person I was to the person I am today. I think he keeps waiting for me to tell him it's been a joke, and here is me, the real me, back. But guess what? I know I have evolved. I know that I have personally changed and became a better person. And how? By working these 12 steps. That's why I talk about it on the show. That's why I welcome people to embrace it and to try it. It works for any aspect of life, whether you're an alcoholic in recovery or not, whether you're a drug addict in recovery or not. If you want a better life, check out the 12 steps. They really taught me a way of living life that I did not know about. And you know what it does? It teaches, it taught me, teaches and it taught me self-accountability, something that I didn't know, self-accountability, that I have to accept responsibility for my actions, Okay, but it's not the end of the world if I do something bad. It just means that I did it and I should stop doing it and I should do something good then. So if you have a problem or an issue, you may want to think about the 12 steps. Now, if you want to call in, by the way, and join Lambert and I on the air, I welcome that. The area code is 323-580-5755. And uh, join us. It is We're coming up on the 8 o'clock hour. It's amazing how time flies when you're having fun, huh, huh, Lambert? That's right. You know, you were talking about unconditional love, and that is a powerful, powerful thing. And to get there, though, I think is is the hardest thing. And what you said was to to unzip yourself and spill out for your family and friends to see all the blackness, all the darkness, and all the ugly that you have contained in yourself has got to be the most difficult and hardest part of recovery. And I agree, once you've done that, you are reborn. You are, uh, you are now capable of getting that unconditional love. But as long as you're cheating, lying, and pretending that you don't have a problem, I don't know if you're going to be able to get any of that support that you need from the family and, and the love and, and the social element of uh, connection. Uh, but that exposing yourself, I, I guess, you know, it's like in the Catholic church, they would have confessions uh, who were taught when we were young. I didn't know what a sin was when I was eight years old, but I had to go to confession every Saturday. Well, the idea was that you would, be contrite and sorrowful for those bad things you did and try to amend and do right so that you were an improved person for the next week, for the next month. And and in the same way, if you did something horrible, going to confession was exposing yourself to another human and very difficult to do. And I think in AA, that's probably the most, most powerful, but also, uh, the the most exposing thing, uh, emotional and otherwise, that a person would ever go through. But I think that's the point of cleansing. 
and and it allows all those 12 steps to actually take a, a root and 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 help a person is that right dan it, well you know what you're talking about the the fourth and fifth step the fourth step is when you take an inventory and the fifth step is to admit it to ourselves to god to ourselves another human being you know it's hard to to go out into the world that's why confession is in a in a, in a secluded area like a box if it can yeah. you know and and it's private between you know the the sinner and the repentant and the and the absolver which would be the priest you know it's not that we absolve it but we we need to hear it we need to hear ourselves speak it to somebody else i wouldn't share it necessarily with family or friends but definitely with somebody that uh, could be there to ex- accept it and not own it. That's really what we need to do. And and you don't want to get into sharing with just anybody because not everybody can accept what's being said and, and not not own it. But, yeah, once we've shared it with somebody, okay, we hear ourselves speak it out loud for the first time and I got to tell you, it's like when I first met Martha, okay, I mean, I've grown a lot prior to meeting Martha, but I got to tell you, there was something to be said when I was sitting there, standing there next to her, out of the the actual camera range, but she was FaceTiming with her daughter in California, and her daughter said, hey, uh, she said to her daughter, hey, I met somebody, I'm I'm dating somebody, and her daughter was blown away because... She had been single for almost nine years, okay? She was a widow, and she lost her husband about eight, nine years earlier and hadn't gone out with anybody. So when she announced she was dating somebody, i.e. me, and I was standing right there, the daughter says, hey, well, tell me about him. She goes, oh, he's a really nice guy. I like him a lot. He makes me laugh. And, And that was nice, and I'm hearing that, and I'm feeling pretty good. And the daughter says, well, was he ever married before? And she goes, uh, yeah, and all of a sudden I'm like on edge. I'm like, uh oh, you know. And her daughter goes, "Well, what happened?" She goes, "Well, he's divorced." And she goes, "Oh, okay." One time, she goes, "No." She goes, two? She goes, "No." <laughs> three. She goes, three times." He was married and divorced three times, and she goes, "What? What would you? How would you explain that? How did he explain?" And Martha said it this way. She said it was youthful indiscretion, you know, and it's true. I was like a kid. I was immature, and and I didn't handle, you know, the whole thing, getting married, the whole concept properly. And hearing her explain this to her daughter, man, I'm going to tell you something. What an epiphany it was. And I I was like, wow, that's that was me. I don't ever want to be described like that again. I never wanted to be described like that in the first place, but hearing it, hearing it was really impacting for me. It 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 definitely changed my life from that moment more than all the all the way up to getting to that point. Does that make sense? Well, Dan, you've gotten to the point where you you earned it. You you deserve it. And yes, she's a wonderful person. You're such a great couple. It, and it's just a, such a wonderful, beautiful thing to see, to be around both of you. You're just delightful. You have so much fun, but you could not have done that earlier in your uh, youthful discretion years. 
because you had issues that you were dealing with and you were complicating all of those issues with the alcohol. And you got away from that 24 years it took, but you're, you're, in a shape, you're in the condition now where this was the right thing to happen to both of you. And it is beautiful. Yeah, I got to tell you, it is really nice. And, you know, I was just thinking today how, you know, when you walk around, I mean, you know, I, you know, I still see and admire beautiful women. I'm not going to tell you I don't, but, you know, how I had such disregard for who they were as individuals. And, and I had such lack of respect for not only them, but for myself, okay? And today it's different. I just, I, I just totally in amazement. I'm so grateful that I got to this point in my life. But I tell you, it wasn't easy. And I, and I know that it's not the easiest thing for anybody to do. However... Okay, it can be done. Okay, that's the most important thing. That's the message that I want to carry to everybody that's paying attention and listening that, you know, you too can have what I have. It it, it takes and requires a commitment and some work to be done. But I'll tell you what, it was worth everything I went through to get to this point. And the most important thing, okay, there was only one thing that I had to do perfectly every day. And what was that, Lambert? Do you know what that is? The perfect thing I got to do every day? Stay sober. Stay sober. I can still be not, you know, I can still be sober and make mistakes, but I'll tell you what, if I make them, I know that I made it and I can get out of it and 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 you know, recover from it a lot easier, faster, and maybe not as big of an impact as I did when I was drinking. And, and Martha knows that she's seen me get hooked on, like, in an argument about something. And, you know, when I drank, man, an argument, I would get in and I would carry that argument for days, weeks, maybe even months. And today, it's not that important anymore. I just shake it off and move on. And I I attribute it because I, of of working and being sober. That's the grateful thing, and I'm so grateful and happy that I have that. It is. It's just a wonderful thing. So there you have it. There you have it. Now, Lambert, you never had any issues with drugs or alcohol, did you? I, I've been very fortunate. I also came from a big family, and, and certainly we had our, our issues and problems, as most large families do who don't have a lot of money. Uh, but I was fortunate in uh, two things, probably. One is I don't have the genetics that uh, that allow me to become addicted, because certainly uh, some people are are more easily uh, prone to that than others. I think it might be genetics, but uh, a predisposition, perhaps. But in that regard, I I was lucky. Um, there were some bad times. There there were some risks that I that I took. Uh, by, by imbibing too often, too heavily, uh, because I had some darkness in my life, too. Um, it was difficult. It was difficult to find myself, to, to, get, to become an honest person. And, and to be an honest person, it means you have to deal with those darknesses that you've lived through. And once you've dealt with them and you get through that, you're not only an honest person, but you're 
a much more satisfactory and mature person. You are more understanding of yourself. And, and also, you understand what things don't work for you. <laughs> and, you know, being drunk is, is not a fun thing. It really isn't. <laughs> it's physically devastating. Uh, you wake up in the morning all messed up, and you just can't get your head clear, and you don't know what you did the night before. Those are bad things. But overall, I, I've been very, very lucky. Oh, that's great. Now you have what six, five siblings? I think you're one of six. I'm I'm the oldest of seven, and it was a very strict family. And uh, there were there were nine of us that lived in a six room house. Wow, six rooms. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, huh? And you grew up where in Ohio or something? It was in Pennsylvania, in a small town. Okay. Okay, so we had and two two bunk beds with two kids in one bunk uh, lower, and, you know, so five of us in that one bedroom, and then the two babies in the middle room, and and then the front room was my parents, and downstairs we had the the kitchen in the middle room and the front room, and they weren't real big, but that was our life. And it was a coal furnace downstairs in the basement, and uh, and uh, lots of. Uh, lots of uh, dysfunction. <laughs> a lot of dysfunction. <laughs> but you probably had some happy moments too, right? Uh, well, they were they were few and far between, unfortunately. But you know, again, I, I got lucky. Uh, there were a lot of a lot of things that uh, could have gone bad, and and just by by chance or by luck, uh, they didn't. So. Um, I thank God every day. I, I do try always every day to do the right thing. But again, it's a courageous thing. It's easier to go, to let yourself go and, and be the the bad person than it is to be the good person. But the good person has so many larger benefits. The happiness that you've experienced now, you never had before. And you couldn't have had before. If, if you would have met your wife 20 Five years ago, 30 years ago, it wouldn't have worked out. It would have been a disaster. And oh, she yeah. probably wouldn't even have been your friend. <laughs> but right now, you're, you're, you're both so wonderful. It's, it's great. Yeah, we talked about that many times, how it probably wouldn't have happened. I've met over the course of my life, you know, I just was reading uh, another, there was an uh, article somebody was writing about meeting meeting your soulmate and you meet many soulmates in your life if you really think about it and and I do believe that I've met many women in my life that could have easily been a good companion for life but you know I wasn't ready and it doesn't matter if they're the perfect match for you if you're not ready for it it's not going to happen it you'll just you know you'll waste a good relationship and that's, I was smart enough to stay away from those women and tell them, stay away from me because I, I knew I was not good for them and I didn't want to hurt them. Uh, I knew that we can connect very easily. It was very easy to be with some of these people. But I knew that I wasn't ready and, and willing to make that commitment that I have with Martha. You know, and I'm, yeah, and, you know, 
you, 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 you move on, you go, oh, my God, you know, I'll never meet another person as wonderful. You know what? I met somebody who was the perfect person for me, okay? I don't know if those other people would have been the perfect person for me, but you know what? I don't have to worry about it today because I got somebody wonderful and I'm grateful. And and sometimes, you know, you got to be ready, though, when that opportunity comes. See, and when I was drinking and, and screwing around and doing all this other stuff, you know, I knew, at least I had the common sense to know that I wasn't ready to, to bring somebody into my life. I made the mistake of bringing people, three women, into my life and marrying them, okay? And that was wrong. I should have had the courage to say no, okay? But I didn't. I was very selfish and self-centered, thinking in some way, shape, or form that it would have been good for me to do what I was doing, and that was to marry him. I thought I was doing them a favor, and <clears throat> excuse me. And it wasn't. I was I was really messing up a good thing, and uh, well, that's why I was single for twenty years after that, and and it took twenty years to get my head together, and and straighten it out so that when I did meet Martha, I was ready, and it's worked out just wonderfully. It really has. Um, and it's not like I didn't have, I haven't made mistakes. I have, but fortunately, none that were that deep that, you know, uh, got me, you know, that, that put our relationship in jeopardy. And that's, that's really what's important. Okay. It's really important. That is so, and you did it on the first try though, huh, Lamb? I didn't get married until I was 38. So oh, really? Okay. I, I I was one of these people. It was part of the dysfunction that I wasn't uh, um, I, I wasn't attractive enough or good enough to even have a girlfriend. And so for a long time, I was by myself and uh, being rejected. It seemed. And so for a long time, that was part of my uh, my hurt, my uh, my deep sadness, and part of the darkness that that wouldn't leave because I could not accept that I was better than that. And that was all part of the way I was raised and other issues. But, um, you know, I accidentally met, met my wife and we, it was, it was just, uh, you know, a nice person and she thought I was a nice person and we exchanged phone numbers and, uh, we did some things and went out and it was fun and it was easy and it was slow and we dated for five years until I got married, and she was already into her 30s. And part of that time, I was out of town for a year and a half. So when, when I came back, that was in the middle. When I came back, it was pretty much, okay, this is a go or no go. And we both said, yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead and make this a go. So we, we started to orient ourselves as uh, being a couple and got married uh, a little more than a year later, uh, about a year and a half later, and uh, I'm lucky again because she has such a wonderful family. So I'm very fortunate in that regard too. So well, I got great. blessed. How many years you've been married now? Uh, twenty-nine. Wow, good for you. I hope I can say that in 29 years. I hope I'm around in 29 I, years. 
What would that make me? That'd yeah, be ninety-two. Yeah, who knows? Been, Longevity is in Martha's family. You know. Well, you're working out. You're you're taking walks. You're lost some weight. You're you're in much better shape now than you were uh, ten years ago, even eight years oh, ago. Yeah. I mean, I think you you're improving yourself, and that's what we're doing. We're trying to improve ourselves, and that's what this is all about, too, isn't it? If you've got issues and problems and, and alcohol and, and addiction is an issue or a problem, uh, that's what we have to get away from in order to, to have a better life because it's never going to be a better life as long as that monkey's on your back. Yeah, you're right. And uh, i got to tell you, you know, I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm at the point in my life where I'm at. But it's... It didn't, like I said, it just didn't come from just expecting and hoping it was going to happen. It took work and energy and time and commitment. And I got to tell you something, uh, it was it was worth every bit of it. It really was. And, and if I had the opportunity to do it again, I certainly would do it again, okay? I would do it the way I did it this time, you know, and that's to, to can stay sober, man. It's just I, you know, if I could have gone back and redid all my life, I would. But, you know, I bring a unique experience to the table, which I can share and help a lot of people if they want help. But just like this young lady who I went to help last week, I helped her get through her crisis. Once her crisis was over, she created another one because it was more attention and more about her. And until she's ready to want to really go to any length to get and stay sober she will use any excuse to continue to to uh to not be sober and not be responsible and you know if there's enough people around her that are enabling her well that's that's really the sad part for her i i hate to say that you know because if you don't let people okay experience what they need to experience okay it would you're not helping them people think that they're helping like this old man tried to help his son his he wasn't helping his son he was giving money to his son and 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 having constant arguments and you know he needed his son to say hey go get help okay go get help and what does that look like? Well, you know, the kid's in his late 20s. By now, he should have been able to figure that out, what help looked like for him. And if he didn't, well, you know, there's places to, to figure that out. But, you know, that's why Elanon, one of the, you know, the, the, the gifts that Elanon has, okay, is that it teaches you to let go and to let God, to take care of yourself. Again, it's the same program you work in recovery in Alcoholics Anonymous, Elanon is the same program, just run differently, and it teaches you to be um, strong, take care of yourself, and not take care of the person with the problem. They have to do that themselves. So, I I'm enjoying this conversation, Lambert. I'm so glad you called in tonight. This is really enjoyable. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. Well, I want to. Day, a sh- shout out to my friend Steve. Steve got the page ready yesterday. Hey, Steve, that was great. You got it done sooner than later. And, uh, you know, and that's good. That helps us out, and maybe we'll get the message out to more people as time goes on. 
uh, we're certainly trying to. We're certainly trying to let people know there's a place they can go for real down-to-earth conversation about what it takes to get and stay sober. And that's what this show is about. It's, it's, I, I, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not making any money doing this. Uh, it's, if nothing else, it's helping me. And, hey, if you take a look at my life, and all the craziness that, that I had before and where I'm at today, you'll go, geez, wow, that's pretty good. Maybe I want that too. And if you do, come along. Join me every week. Or you can even call in during the week and be part of my life. That's good. Um, hopefully, you know, I know, Lambert, I put you through the ringer a few times in life. Time, my schedule is like the worst in the world. I am not very good for being on time or prompt, am I? Hey, that, that's one of those minor things in life that we deal with, and it's not a, a deal breaker in any regard. You're still the, one of the one most wonderful people I know. Well, thanks. I, yeah, I'm not fishing for compliments, but I, I certainly do appreciate that. And if I am, it's because I work at it. Because I there was a time where I was equally a prick, okay? I was equally, you know... Uh, capable of great destruction of people, you know. Uh, and it wasn't like I wanted to hurt people. It just was an easy thing to do. And sometimes I just felt they deserved it, you know, I as sad as that is. And I don't think anybody actually deserves something like that, especially when, you know, they expose themselves and, you know, to – open themselves up to a, a hit and they don't know what's coming and uh you know that was me i didn't i took advantage of situations at times and i you know i certainly don't want to ever do that again so and i'm not i'm not doing it that's the cool part you know i think that's my my friend pam we're still really close friends pam my friend Pam Brown, she's out in the uh, Arizona area. She was very instrumental in helping me grow and mature in relationships because she was one of she, she was one of my best friends for years and years and years. And while she's a very still a good, very big you know part of my life, a strong friend, you know Martha is now my best friend. And and uh, Lambert, you're a, a very close friend too, and. I get off on being around people like you because you're just good people, you know? And how do I, you know, I, I learn how to emulate. Is that is that the word, emulate? Emulate. Emulate. You know, emulate. To, to be like good people. And how you be like good people is be around good people, okay? I was around, when I drank, I sat in bars and where it was, I was around scumbags. And, and people that took advantage of myself and other things. And, you know, you you hang around people like that, guess what? You're going to be like those people eventually. It's just that way. It's without a doubt going to be that way. And uh, so you have to make a commitment of changing your playgrounds and your playmates. Okay? And when I made that commitment, it was hard. It was hard because I, I I used to go where what felt more comfortable, but when I finally got it, I'll tell you what. Then I started seeing continuing better changes happening in my life. Okay, so there you have it. There you have it. 
Well, and okay. the other thing you just proved is that people, generally speaking, have goodness within them. And, and, and the addiction, I think, hides and, and suffocates that part of them. And if they get away from it, that's one of the benefits, the positives, is that they are allowed to shine and become the, the better people that they could be. As you said, you were not that person, and now you are the better person. You have a light that shines, Dan, and it's amazing to me. And if you never told me that you had ever had any issues, I probably wouldn't even suspect it because I don't see that in you now. It's, a, it's just incredible. And I believe that a lot of people have that opportunity. They just have to uncover it and unbury it and get the darkness out of them. And, and that happens through AA, that happens through, uh, you know, as you say, having good, uh, good friends, good, good people around them, you know, the people you play with, so to speak. Playgrounds and playmates, absolutely, yep. Playgrounds and playmates, you know, we had to, you know, again, the, one of the things about addictions is I hate to say the word comfort, but there is a certain comfort of knowing what to expect. It's the uncertainty of the future and change that is so scary for those of us that want to escape it. Because we know the problems that we've had and we always in our mind think that we can handle them. You know, ah, it's no big deal. I'm sure I can handle this, okay? And yet we say that, but we can't. We just can't really handle it. And we we try to figure out to work ourselves through that. And, again, uh, sometimes we get through it. Sometimes it turns into a big mess. And uh, But when I stay sober, see, I don't have those challenges. I don't have those Russian roulette moments where the, the moment could be good or it could be incredibly horrible. I don't have that. They could be good or they could be not so good, but they're not incredibly horrible because – I keep myself out of those situations, and that's a good and that's a good thing. So there you go. I like mm-hmm. doing good things for other people, you know. And I, I think the greatest consequence that could be created by someone is if they hurt me or attacked me of sorts. And then there are people that still do that. Okay, maybe willfully some. You know, maybe some don't know any better, et cetera. But the the greatest consequence that can come of it, and that is the loss of my friendship. And I'd like to think that I'm a pretty good friend. It's like if I lost your friendship, I'd feel bad, Lambert, because you're a great guy. Well, you know, well, and you've always we been. We would work on it, yeah. though, and we would not allow that to happen because we understand its power and its greatness because that truly is what makes life worth worth looking forward to. Well, and I can't and wait for us to get together again. I mean, that's what we're yeah, looking and, forward to, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, yeah, we work at it. We actually, we, we do work at it. And see, for someone who's never experienced it, that first thought of losing a friend like that, it's, it's real scary. And, and we're, we're like, oh, my God, did we lose that person? And can we? Yes, it could be done. You can lose somebody because... Nobody has to take your bullshit. 
They don't have to take mine either, for that matter. But, you know, nobody has to take it. But in Friends, you know, when you've been a friend with somebody for a while and you make a mistake, and it's, you know, I'm very capable, as other people are, of making mistakes, but we're we're much more forgiving because we understand it's an exception, not a rule. And if you meet somebody right away and they jump into some crap, it's hard to 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 want to navigate beyond that first kick in the ass and say, well, is this going to be a regular thing for this individual? And you know, but that's what friendship is: is developing beyond those moments, beyond those moments. Sometimes we get them, and sometimes we don't. But if you get them, hey, make sure you take care of them. If you meet somebody that's really good to you and for you. Take good care of them. It's important. So, well, hey, we've been talking about an hour and a half now, and that's a great thing. I usually play some music, but um, I don't know. Do we have a Dan, I what's wanted to bring. What's the, I, Dan, I want to bring up something here before you transition. Is uh, yeah. you know one of the things you're talking about in friendship is uh, uh, the issue of uh, what is it in, in, uh, allowing another person to. Uh, to to be to be bad or to be the alcoholic to uh, embolden them or what's the word I'm trying to think of uh, when you allow some when you enable them enable enable is the word I'm looking for because that's okay. not true friendship is it I don't think it is I think some friends think it is but I think it's it's harm well it does it could be harmful to people you're right and I think it's I, I honestly, I want to, I don't want to chastise the person doing it. I just want to make them aware that it, it's not the bright thing or the healthiest thing to do when you enable somebody. You know, you may think you're doing something good, but like you're saying, it isn't necessarily something good. It could be very harmful to that person. And if you don't, if you're not aware of that, uh, you know, but if you are aware that you're 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 continuing to enable them, and and you're keeping them from growing, then that that would be a violation. That would be a hurtful and harmful thing. If you know, if after a while you've been told repeatedly that your enabling is not going to allow them to grow beyond themselves, then yes, shame on you. I would say that. I agree. That. Okay. But I got it. You know, I mean, I think that people, for the most part, have the best intentions when they when they initially enable and it's hard sometimes to know when to to draw the line on stuff okay it's not the easiest thing when you see somebody hurting you want to believe that what you're doing is going to help them i know one of the biggest you know believe it or not when i was caught in my alcoholism okay when i was caught in my alcoholism i was also caught up I should have been going to Al-Anon at the same time, both AA and Al-Anon, because I needed to deal with alcoholics, too. I didn't know how to deal with them, okay? And I did not know how to deal with them. And I was convinced that if I could help somebody, okay, get beyond themselves, that they would be grateful to me and kiss my ass and think the world of me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen. A lot of times when you're helping somebody that's caught up in an addiction or has issues, they're just going to, you know, it's like uh, 
I'm trying to think of a movie or something where I've seen it happen, but it's where you take your best like let's let's just say imagine that you put together a model uh, uh, an intricate model kit like a uh, an airplane or a car or a ship okay and you spent hours and hours and hours working on it and <coughs> you let you gave it to somebody and said here I want you to have this because you were convinced that by giving this to them that it would change their life and because you put so much time, energy, and effort into it that they would see it and appreciate it as much as you did. And the first thing they did is stepped on it and crushed it and said, wow, this really breaks good. And you're looking at it and you're in total shock because that was the last thing that you thought they would do. You thought they would cherish it and hold it in and great esteem like you were, and instead they did nothing of the sort. They destroyed it. And again, the point I'm trying to say is that I should have thought it out. If I didn't want to give them that thing, I shouldn't have given it to them because I should have known that they would not have respected it. You can't give somebody good health. You can't give somebody good choices. You can show them that there are choices and that if they make them, you can show them the benefits of making them, just like we're doing now. I'm sharing with you that I made choices that have led to me having a better life. And if you want what I have, and are you willing to go to any length to get it, the same length that I did to, to, to stay sober when I wanted to drink. Oh, my God, in the beginning, I, I, especially in the beginning, I wanted to drink. And even as I got beyond the drink, you know, people said to me, well, you've been so sober for so long, maybe you can handle a drink. And you know what? Maybe I could. But why? Why run the risk? See, I had to keep telling myself, why would I want to run the risk of losing what I have? And that's the best. That's why I stick around drunks, because I I need to see the struggle they are having. So they remind me I never want to get there. And when I see people like this young lady struggling, okay, I gave her choices. She's going to have a few days now to come and pick up her, her dad's stuff or do something, or she's going to lose the opportunity altogether. Now, that's the consequences for her not acting when she did and when she wanted. But if I made it all streamlined for her and I said, oh, yeah, it's okay to be you know struggling and so on and so forth, Guess what? I would be enabling her just like everybody else has been enabling her, and she will never grow up. This may be an important lesson for her to grow from, and that's my hope. But see, it's a hope, I, but it's if it doesn't happen, it's not my problem. It's her problem, and I don't own it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, see, that's, that's right. It's her decision. It's just hard to figure it out to get to that point. You know? Well, I've enjoyed this conversation. I wish people would have called in because it would have been fun to have other people's comments. And you still have about 20 minutes if you want to call in. Area code 323-580-5755. Say hi to my friend Dan. I don't know if you're in Lamont or in Florida. 
Uh, my friend uh, Anna. Uh, Anna, when I talk to Anna, she gets really offended when I make um, sexual innuendos. And, and it's probably wrong of me to do it, but it wasn't like I was trying to do anything in particular. But, you know, you have to be careful and know your audience. And I was trying to explain to her uh, something, and I used an, a, uh, what do they call it, an antidote, an, an antidote, a story to make my point, and she thought it was a little on the crash side, and she got upset. So sorry, Anna. I'll try to be more, I'll try to clean up my act when I'm talking with you. Um, I mentioned it to my wife, and she thought it was funny, so she didn't think it was that crass. But you got to know your audience, okay? And, you know, I know so many people, and there's such a variety of people, you know, in today's world, if we want to interact with them, it's hard. It's hard to know exactly all the times how to do it. I don't do it to be offensive. I just, that's just me. So hopefully, I don't know, hopefully she'll, uh, uh, like she did before, I think she sees the benefit of being my friend and interacting with me more than being unnecessarily turned off by my uh, language or, cat, you know. But I'll work at that. Definitely I'll work at well, that. Dan, but Dan, Dan, isn't, isn't that a part of this whole thing is to accept yourself as you are and for others to accept you as an imperfect being? And once you get past that, everything can be smoothed out. Well, Isn't that true? It is. But see, if I was drinking, I wouldn't care less if she was offended. And I might even go as far as saying, oh, get over it. And, you know, taking her inventory, as they say, and making fun of her and go, oh, you know, get over it, over it. But being that I'm sober and that it's something that touches home a little bit for I, I could be a, a little bit more aware of it, and it's not that important for me to to use. Uh, I, c- I can change that up a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. So, again, it's a choice that I have, and if it does offend her, she just has to get over it, though. Uh, but I'll, I'll try to be more cognizant of it. That's all. And I don't do it to hurt her feelings or... She came from a situation that was pretty challenged. I guess her father was was always, um, and and I'm sure there's a lot of women out there in the world. The fathers were was always making comments to her, sexual comments to her, and that made her very uncomfortable. He would come in to her room while she was dressing, and and uh, I don't know if it extended beyond that, but it was certainly enough to uh, to to make her uncomfortable. So, again. I think she knows my intentions. She just has to get over some of it. But I could be a little bit more um, uh, aware of it. So, you know, and that's that's also a choice. You're right. It's a choice. Uh, I am who I am. I'm Popeye. Okay. But on the other hand, too, you know, on the other hand, too, uh, I, you know, if I knew that something that I did, irritated you like clacking my teeth or something like that i would try to not do that anymore right i wouldn't i wouldn't embrace it and go well get over it and deal with it okay right unless i was convicted can can uh unless i was convinced that we weren't going to maintain a friendship and i like Anna. i would i I hope that she grows from it she she has one of the most wildest lives i gotta tell you here's a girl that Every time she falls, she falls up, 
okay, since I've met her. She's from out of this country. She finally got a green card to work, and it's just amazing. It's just amazing that every time she trips and falls in her business life, she she seems to trip upward. Oh my, right? Amazing. Alrighty. Okay. Um, so, any last thoughts for the show here? Mr. Lambert. It's choices. That's the theme. And it's about making the right choices. It's about understanding that the only way to be improved is to make choices toward that. And I guess that's hard, but that's what's required. I want to change the word a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay, no, please. This is a conversation. I'm, I don't know all the answers for sure. Well, it's not answers, and it's just the right answer. See, like uh, as a hearing officer for the Board of Realtors, when we have an arbitration hearing, when we're disputing money, um, there is the person that prevails and the one person that does not prevail. Okay. We don't call a winner or loser. So in the same instance, we don't say make the best decisions. We just say we're making better decisions because could there always be a better one? Who knows? There may be. But we're making better decisions, okay, in our lives, and that's a good thing. It's it's always certainly better than making poor decisions like we did in the past, right? And it could always have been even worse, some of the bad decisions that we make because – you know, could have been killed us. We could have made decisions that actually killed us, and that wouldn't have been good either, right? Yes. Yes, I get it now. Thank you. Well, I learn these things, and again, they're just me, but I want to, uh, you know, I got my brother goes a little overboard, my brother Joe. And you know Joe, right? Yes. And yeah, Joe, um, I don't know how he's been doing these last couple of weeks because they won't let him see my mother in person. And he's been pretty much attached to her more or less for the last year or two. And uh, Joe's what? He's probably about age-wise, about 68, 69 years old. And, uh, you know, he's now dealing with my mother coming to the end of her life. And I think he's having a hard time with that. Okay. And uh, he wants to spend a lot of time with her, but uh, the uh, there was a point here. I was trying, <laughs> I was trying to make a point. Um, oh, Joe has this habit of he when you say if you see him, you go hello. He he'll respond by saying hell. Why would you tell somebody to go to hell? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I just said hello. Well, why would you say that? He said you should say hi. Hi is a good thing because he relates hi to being high and relates to figuring you'd want to be up and and euphoric as compared to hell and down in hell. <laughs> and, oh. and there are some whacked out people, and Joe is definitely one of those people. He borders on the, on the edge of whacked out. But, you know, the thing about Joe as wacky as he can be, he's probably one of the most intelligent people, too, in the world. In fact, <laughs> most people that are alcoholics or, or addicts 
some of them are, or if not some of them, most of them, are pretty smart people. They just have a hard time functioning in the world today. They don't know how to function in the world. And so they struggle. And my brother is one of those. He lives with all those fears. Remember the fears you were talking about, Lambert, about being liked, good enough, and this, that, or anything? Yes, uh-huh. And even, yeah, I'm sure Joe still has all those problems, okay? He has a hard time being accepted for who he is because he can be quite the extremist at times. You know, you can get into a good conversation with him and everything's good, and then he'll go totally off, off, off uh, subject and totally whacked out. And little bit much to deal with so you know we try not to get too nutty about it but on the other hand you know um, uh, in sales it's like we teach people in sales okay not to uh, use words such as contracts okay because what do you think of when you think of the word contract Sounds like an absolute, for, for one thing, an extreme thing instead of a continuum. Yeah, and it and it means a commitment of sorts that you may or may not want to do at that moment. Okay, so mm-hmm. you know it is. We do use paperwork and contracts to put together uh, real estate sales. However, what we try to do is use the word agreement instead of a contract, because that's really what we're doing. A contract is when everybody is agreed to the terms, then it becomes a contract. But until then, it's an offer, and then when it is accepted, then it's an accepted agreement or a contract. So we try to use words that are more professional, and I learned that, and I thought, wow, isn't that that really makes sense because when I heard about a contract, I don't know about you, but I get all nervous. Oh, I got to sign a contract. Oh, the contract. I don't know what the contract says. Do you know all the words in most of the contracts we sign? No. You know what a good example is? It was when you go online and you want to you want to hook up on a an application, and it goes, or you want to go into a site, and it says, "Are you willing to accept all the terms that we have going?" Are you going to sit there and read them all? Most people aren't. If you're in a need for signing up with Adobe or something like that, you just hope that the contract that you're agreeing to isn't going to screw you really big, right? Faith. <laughs> or do you? Or do you read it all out? Like me, I so try too long. to print it out. They they overwhelm you. They they do that on purpose, I think. But I I get your message. I get the story that better choices. It's not an absolute. Stay away from the absolutes. It's we make better choices and we, you know, have uh, a better uh, thinking of our, ourselves. And we stay away from a contract. And and we in fact make the agreements. We make agreements with ourselves to uh, make better decisions. I guess. Is, yeah. is that how I'm trying to get there? Yeah, you're. You know, well, again, that's it. That really is. And this is a good thing. I mean, it takes some time, but when we start making better decisions in our lives, we see the results, and they do happen, and they start coming. But, you know, we can't make good decisions when we aren't psychologically or, 
you know, if we're not all there, you know, if we're drinking or drugging, how do you know that you made the right decision or the best decision? You know, it's like my last wife, and I told this to my wife, my current wife, and I said, my last wife, Patty, oh, God, I was crazy about that girl. And you know what? If we would have met in the different circumstances, et cetera, et cetera, it may have been a great connection, but it was all wrong. It was all wrong. The connection was all wrong because we went so fast. We didn't give it time to think. It wasn't the time of life and year and all that stuff. And it turned into a total horrible mess. Okay? And if we would have thought about it, we would have saved ourselves a lot of grief and aggravation. But, you know, we were so caught up in what we wanted individually for ourselves, we didn't think about anybody else. It was all about us. And see, like you were saying earlier, Lambert, the decisions that we make can affect everyone around us. Could be from as simple as as uh, dr- drunk driving, getting in a car, driving under the influence. That's horrible. Okay, if you make it home, you might be lucky. Okay, but if you don't, who pays the price for your bad decision? And that certainly is a bad decision, driving drunk and getting on the road. Not a good thing. Okay? And so what we want to do is to remind people that take the time. And, you know, before you pick up that drink, decide really how, if you're happy with your life, that's what they say is when we get sober, they, they suggest that we make a commitment to stay sober and go to 90 meetings in 90 days. That means at least we're trying to get people to go at least one meeting a day for 90 days because we know the power of alcohol that it has over somebody and that if you really want to shake it and get beyond it, Try this, 90 meetings in 90 days. I know that I did, I probably went to 120 meetings in 90 days, and I needed every one of those meetings because there were times that I really wanted to pick up a drink. I really wanted to quit my abstinence and get back to drinking, but I didn't have to look far to remember some of the choices that I made and the consequences that I had to deal with for making those poor choices. And that's the beauty of going to meetings because they help me to remember those consequences and I didn't like them. And so I kept coming. And, yes, there were many times that the opportunity to to have a drink presented itself and said, hey, you could have a better, you know, you can go back out and drink. And there's nothing that was stopping me from drinking nobody but myself. See, And that's the thing about enabling. If you stop somebody from drinking, and you could, how can you stop somebody from drinking? By locking the doors, putting the booze away, hiding the booze, throwing it out. If you did that, okay, it'll work. It will keep them from drinking or drugging for the moment. But will it keep them from doing it always and forever? Probably not. Maybe, and and maybe it'll hold, but probably not. Because if you're not there, they're going to say, well, you weren't there to stop me. 
you weren't there to, to help me, you know, do what I, I needed to do to get and stay sober. See, and it's got to be their issue. It had to be mine personally because when it became mine, when I owned it, then and only then could I say I made that decision to not drink. It wasn't you. I'm hey, If you help me out, that's a good thing, but I did not rely on that, okay? I relied on my decision-making to get and stay sober, okay? And it, and, and it was a good thing, and I'm glad. Because when nobody is around, guess who I was alone with? Myself. Yeah. And I had to yeah. keep doing it when nobody was there to keep me accountable. So... There you go. There you have it. That's the choices. So what what should we talk about next week, Lambert? What should be the topic? Oh. What do you think would be a good topic to discuss, considering what's going on in the world today? Anything in well, particular? I think courage. Guys, courage. You, courage? you asked me. I, I would say courage because everything you said, you know, makes sense and it's logical. But, you know, the difficulty is – and you've known this from a lot of people you've met to get them into the program, to get them to, to go past. Yeah, I think I have a problem. Yes, I understand that. But, and I should go to these meetings, but, oh yeah, I, I will show up on Monday. I'll see you then. And they don't show up because they didn't have the courage to con- commit themselves to, uh, to that better decision, to that, to that improvement. I don't know. It seems like that's, uh, one of the elements of uh, overcoming uh, addiction is to have the courage to to get into uh, a program and, and to get together with people who have have experienced everything that they're going through. They aren't the standalone, unique individual having a problem. There are lots of people that have. A lot of them have gone before them and a lot of them have survived and gone through it and become much, much better, like you. Yeah. I think yeah. courage is, is one of the elements that's a really difficult concept to uh, to, to become. And, and addiction is a, a dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, you either think you're better than everyone else or you think you're the worst person in the world and you don't deserve anything in your life. Again, it's an extremist thought process i believe and and courage works for both ends you're right it creates yeah, understanding i don't know what do you think dan i think you nailed it man i think you did it's uh you know you got to recognize that it takes courage to to talk you know to to not listen to the voices in your head that say hey let's go out and do this and you know what's the big deal you know, what's the big deal? It is. To call it what it is. It's not a good thing. And if we don't call it that way, well then, you know, guess what? We're going to keep fooling ourselves thinking that we can do something that we can't. Okay? And, uh, yeah, I think it's a great topic. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do a little write-up for that, and uh, it'll be, you know, our next week's topic, courage. And, you know, courage, too, it takes for staying home when you want to get out and run around. In today's, you know, pandemic atmosphere, it, you need to stay stay put. You need to do things around the house. You need to keep focused. You know, it's it's not the like you can't go out. 
to do the right thing, the hard thing, not the easy thing. Yeah, exactly. Not the easy thing, the right thing. The right thing is what what is right at the moment. And and that's it, definitely. What what needs to be done at the moment at that time and what uh, in that state of mind. So, well good. Well, Glambert, you've been very helpful and uh, I appreciate you joining me tonight. I really do. I you know, it, you make the the time go by fa- faster. You give a great insight. And and you don't have an addiction of your own that you're battling with, but you've certainly been around me and other people enough to understand what we're talking about and to to, to uh, you know jump in and and share some really important aspects of what you see and 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 how you relate to things. And, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, you humble me with your respect. Thank you, Dan. Hey, you know. Again, sometimes that's the thing about talking with friends that, you know, you don't, we need to tell people how we see them, how they impact our lives. And sometimes we, you know, that, that saying where, you know, you, you didn't tell the person when they were alive on the earth enough how much they meant to you. And, you know, it's important that you tell people while they're alive how they, what they do and how they mean to you. So that what? So that you can, you know, they can appreciate that. Maybe that'll even work to bring you closer, and I'm sure that'll work to bring us closer. So, thanks again. I appreciate that. And, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap this show up. Lambert, any last thoughts for my audience that uh, you want to share? I'm I'm glad that you have this show. I'm glad that people are aware of it and that they uh, tune in. Uh, I think this is a helpful and wonderful thing to uh, have available because uh, the the more opportunities a person has to to hear other things, it maybe brings understanding. And, and you never know when that one moment is that moment of understanding. And that that's a fulfilling and, and a complete a complete thought, a complete moment that that allows them insight or, or to say, no, it has to be now. It has to be my time. I, I must do this. And you allow conversations that can hopefully uh, prevail uh, with understanding. So thanks, Dan. Doing good things. Oh, great. Well, I appreciate that. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, I hope that during this next week when – when they're anticipating a the 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 climax of the pandemic, they're they're thinking that the uh, the the number of people infected and dying will be at its peak. We hope that it's not you. We hope it's not your loved ones. We hope there's nobody for that matter. But we know that that's beyond reality. And if you can. Stay home. That's the most important thing. Stay home, kick back, relax, find something. You know, if you have to uh, read a book, look online, uh, call a friend. You can call me at any time. My number is area code 630-918-6129. And you can call me up and say, hey, Dan, I need somebody to talk to you. If I can, I'll talk to you. Okay, I have some time. I am still working, but you know what? I always have time to help somebody out in the program, okay? Because if I don't have the program, 
I don't have all the things that I have in my life, and I have to remember that. And I'd like you to have all the wonderful things that I have in my life, but you got to want it. You have to make better choices, and that's what this show, again, was about, making better choices. They may not be the best choices, but they're certainly work at getting better, okay? And you'll find which ones work best for you. If you take them one day at a time, one step at a time, and don't don't quit, okay? When you want to drink or you want a drug or you want to do gambling or any of your addictive nature, take a deep breath and, and realize, you know, that you can have a better life than you have now. And I'll tell you, my life keeps getting better and better and better. When I leave here tonight, guess what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to actually cut my wife's hair because... For those of you that don't know, I used to be a licensed hairstylist about 40 years ago, and I still know how to cut hair. And I've been cutting my wife's hair, and it's getting a little wild and long and wild, and she would like it cut. So I told her, I promised her that I would do it when I come home tonight. And so thus, I will take care of that. And have a nice bite to eat. We'll sit on the couch and relax, and we'll talk about the day and how the show went. And it'll be a great day, and it'll be the end of a wonderful weekend. So, folks, have a great week unless you have other plans. We have 90 seconds before the show wraps up. And, uh, you know, again, I pray, and let's all say a prayer for people that they're all safe, as safe as safe can be, okay, in today's pandemic. Um, Do what you got to do. Don't hoard. Just know that uh, you live in a country that is incredible, and it needs you making better choices too, so that we can move, so we can move this entire world forward. If you can reach out to somebody by phone, email, okay, anything, WhatsApp, uh, hang, hangups, any of these wonderful programs, and say hello to them. Let them know that uh, they count, that you thought about them. And they they count, okay? And we want you to grow as best as you can in your life. We'll be back next week, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, with more of the Road to Recovery, my Road to Recovery, and I hope you join me in this Road to Recovery. Have a great week, unless you have other plans. Good night, everybody. Good night, Lambert. Good night, Dan. Good night, everyone. And we are off the air. See you next week.